0: So much for that US slash season 38 alliance, huh? Plus, Callum and Michelle going steady. Kylan wants to chat while Melissa wants to make out. These group daily challenges are not getting any easier. Huey is keeping the house sane. Kieran rides for his UK roots. Raven can't just go along with the group and move over Jessica's highly edited but still horrible deliberation speech. There's a new king of shooting himself in the foot in town and his name is Chauncey. It's the challenge battle for a new champion episode two recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to. The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's, the challenge, past, present, or future if it's happening in the challenge universe. We are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibal. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me today on this Thursday, coming the day after episode 2 aired as has been said the last few weeks i happen to have some wednesday night commitments the first couple of weeks of this season so i appreciate your patience in me getting these episodes out to you that will not be the case moving forward these recaps will be coming late on wednesday night immediately after the episodes air and man what good episodes they have been thus far loved episode two so much to dive into loved episode one loved episode zero the launch special loving this season i don't care if no one's watching you at home seem to be watching or else i don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you are just listening to this and you don't watch the show please dm me and explain the reason there is no way i am that interesting that you could not watch the show and then still listen to this podcast if that's you you're the most incredible human that's ever lived and also may want to rethink your choices and leisure activity. Anyways, programming reminders before we hop into episode two of B Fank. This, uh, as I just said, is the last episode for a while that'll be coming on Thursday's amazing concert last night. Shout out to the legends, Connor Price, Nick D, Graham, the whole crew, everyone that was there. Wonderful, wonderful time. Well worth the wait to watch this wonderful episode of The Challenge for a few extra hours to go to that show. So shout out to them. That's where I was last night. That's why we're here on Thursday. In the future, these will again be on Wednesday nights. And in the future, what you could expect basically for the next month or two of this podcast through the rest of the year, I would assume, is just BFANK coverage and Survivor 45 coverage. BFANK on Wednesday night, Survivor 45 sometime between Friday and Monday, depending on when Tony and I can get that scheduled and recorded. So that's what's coming the rest of this week. You've got Survivor 45, the new episode out last night. I actually have not watched yet, so I don't know what happened, but I'm going to right after I record this. And then Tony and I are probably going to record Friday night. So that'll be out Saturday morning. And for the rest of this year, you've got season 39. When I say B-Fank, if you haven't picked up on it, that's Battle for a New Champion season 39. in Survivor 45 coverage coming. And quick Little tangent, quick little shout out to each and every one of you and shout out to myself and to this show. I forgot to celebrate last time we were on here when me and Tony were covering the last episode of Survivor. That was the 200th episode of the show, which means this one is the 201st episode of the Challenge Historian. That is wild. That is crazy. I did have a quick moment where if you remember, if you've been a long time listener for the hundredth episode of this podcast, I did 100 challenge takes, 100 opinions. It was way too big of a project. It was way too big of an idea, but I did it and I completed it. And I had a moment yesterday where I was laying on the couch and I was like, you know, 200 episodes. Should I do 200 takes? And I quickly decided that would be absolutely insane and that I shouldn't. So I didn't. So we didn't really celebrate 200 episodes in though. Thank you so much for everyone who has listened to one of those episodes or all 200 of them. Every single one of you. It means the world to me that anyone listens to this, as I always say. And the fact that a lot of you now kind of do is really wild and insane. And I love it. And I love you. And I appreciate you. Thanks for being here. Feel free if you've never, you know, if you've listened to any or all of these 200 episodes without ever hitting the follow or subscribe button, or like liking it, or even leaving a rating. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, which I know most of you are, I can see the statistics, those ratings and reviews really, really help get it out to more people. So thanks. 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 Thank you. And now, the agenda for the day. Uh, as always, episode storylines and highlights, awards, power rankings, predictions. You know the drill. Episode 2, Fank Coming up, let's go. First section of the episode, they're at the house. They're not there very long. I kind of appreciate the, the new 90-minute model that they're going for here. Quick house segment, pretty quick daily challenge, and then a very long house segment that can be some strategy, but also some fun, as we see this episode, and we'll get to Later. I'm liking that. So the first house segment, couple things to point out. First one, Jay and Chauncey have their chat. It's icy. They're trying to get on the same page. They both, via confessional, are like, we're not on the same page, but to each other's face, we're saying they're on the same page. I do, I didn't listen to all the podcasts last week, all the different coverage, but I do remember someone pointing out, or maybe it was someone, one of you wonderful folks on YouTube watching right now that commented about. Finding out via the podcast that this conversation between Jay and Chauncey or a version of this conversation had happened and we didn't see last week. And that made me think that this one we're seeing in this episode maybe possibly took place a couple days earlier in the timeline than they're making it shown here. Or maybe it was spliced up or then I do think later in the episode they kind of flash back to this conversation and they say two days earlier and it was like, wasn't that last night or something? So Timelines, as always, edited show, as always, it's a little bit wonky. From Chauncey's point of view, though, and we'll come back to this multiple times throughout this podcast, obviously, because he eventually goes home. It's hard to be on the bottom of Alliance. I know that it's really hard to come in and be like, I am in the big Alliance of this house, but I'm definitely on the bottom and I'm not like super tight with anyone. I don't have a number one, even, you know, it'd be one thing to be on the bottom, but like, I got another person who I'm 100% confident. Now he's just like, I'm a part of this group, but I'm like... I'm at the bottom kind of floating on my own, hanging on, and you guys like could just let go of me at any single moment. That's a very hard place to be. But at the start of the game, you've either got to be in or you've got to be out. Little Middle of the game, later in the game, you can definitely be searching for your escape route. You can definitely be searching for your way to backstab or your way to ingratiate yourself and kind of move up the ladder, so to speak. But First couple rounds, first couple days in the house, just be happy you're a part of a major alliance and be 100% all on board with it, all for them, making no bones about it, making sure you're like, hey, like, I might be on the bottom, but I'm in it, right? Okay, good. We're in it. I'm in it, 100% locked in. I'll worry about being on the bottom when we actually get down the road, and I have to worry about that. You've either got to be all in or all out. Being on the bottom and waffling this early is a really tough spot to be. I do will say, though, I like the honesty from him and from Jay a little bit in this moment where, you know, Chauncey's like, hey, I came into the house with reservations about if we'd work together. We're having this conversation. I would like to work together. I think we could put it all behind us. I like the honesty there. You don't always see that in a challenge house or any of these game show houses. So I give him props for that. Second thing to talk about, Olivia and Huey bonding. Love Huey so much. I loved this conversation. I love this little moment between them. I'm glad they're becoming friends. And I'm glad that these conversations are still... I mean, I know they're still happening in the Challenge House. I'm glad we get to see this one. It's great to get backstory on Huey. He's a gem of a human being. He has an interesting backstory that many of us are probably not familiar with. That lifestyle, that group of people, that culture, the whole thing. So it's good to always shine a light on that shine a positive light on that give us his perspective learn more about him and he's just wonderful and this is what the 90 minute episode should be used for is more of these types of moments this has nothing to do with the game almost at all you know his confessionals refer it back to the game it's you know why he's willing to work hard why he's not uncomfortable why he's so good in social settings etc etc he does relate it to the game but it's, it's about him and about him as a person and this culture he comes from and this group of people he comes from. And it's really wonderful. I would love if we could maybe extend a few of these. We've got 90 minutes to work with. I appreciate you. I'm sorry for asking for more when you first give it to us, but the 30-second version doesn't always like do this justice. So like, can we double that, triple that? I don't know. Can we make it a little bit longer scene with him learning more and more about her, maybe get some of Olivia's reactions as they're kind of talking about her? growing up and everything too. So, loved this scene. Would love more of it, but I appreciate that they're using the 90-minute episodes to give us back some of these things that have been missing or lacking in recent seasons. Then we're quickly off to a daily challenge, which was incredible. I loved this game. It looked very hard, incredibly hard. I I expected it to go as it did. When they explained the whole thing, I was like, "TJ, there's no way in hell" Similar to last week, the 10 minute time limit last week, um, you know, shout out my friends at Challenge Fandom Podcast. They had a big debate about was 10 minutes enough last week. I thought it was the proper amount. I thought it should be very, very hard, at least the first one. I saw the argument, though, why it maybe should have been longer. 23 minutes here does not seem like long enough at all. Does not seem long enough for them to get much, if any. Uh, And so it kind of went exactly how I thought that they got a couple of people up there. Three in the end. I appreciate them being hard. I think again, I would prefer this be it starts at 500,000 and you can get up to a million, something like that. The money is not enough for me right now, but I do think it should be hard to earn the money. I just wish the money was starting at a higher part and, you know, then then it's really hard to earn on top of that. But as usual, I do have rules questions because it seemed like there was different strategies that would have worked a lot better than what they did, but I'm assuming there was some sort of rule about you have to have a person clipped in every single one of the clips because they did seem both ropes. At no point when they were running out of time or anything did they ever be like, Emmanuel, you can clearly climb this rope if you needed to, just like free free climb right up to the top of this. let's do that. Anyone that could climb the rope on their own, climb up the one rope. That is a complete hot mess. The other one could pass the balls up and we can at least get a few more. So there clearly was like some sort of rule of only once everyone is clipped in or every spot has someone in it. Can people ascend all the way to the top? I don't know. As usual, just, Tell us all the rules so that we have all of the information. And uh, although I guess it supports uh, all the podcasts out there that are having these people on to tell us everything after the fact. Um, So in some way, it's a good thing. But I'm not sure that any group of challengers is getting all 23 balls. I'm just not. I don't know what. Maybe the cast of the duel one was such an epic cast. Maybe one of the Inferno casts. Yeah, I don't know. There's not I can't there's not many casts I could think of that would have been like give them this challenge, give the exact same parameters, exact same situation and they're going to get all 23. It just seemed way way too hard, but I'd also think most are going to get more than 3. I think they still did pretty poorly. I think they probably should more have gotten around 10 to 12 or so of them, like get half the people up would have been a little more impressive. As for good and bad performers of the group, it is harder to judge in this group setting, but judge we still will on the good side. Um, Colleen, Zara, and Michelle all, I think, are the three of the folks that end up at the top, and Zara and Michelle, I think, are three of the original swimmers to get the balls and then end up on top, but they the climbing portion for them seems not to have been much of a problem. They did so rather easily once everyone was in their position. So that's good on them and a good sign for them as you know, it's hard for people to stand out if you did do a good job in this, these types of challenge. So for them, they'll, everyone will remember. will like, well, those three did get to the top. So like they did climb over me and they got all the way to the top. That's a good thing for them. Corey and Locky. Both did very good at being the big people, like the big people jobs of this, of like kind of be near the bottom, push people up over you, be really good steps the whole way. They seem to be do a really good job at their job. And Olivia as well, throw in that group. I was so nervous for Olivia's hands the whole time. I'm just nervous for Olivia to get injured again. After last season, she should never suffer another injury in her entire life, her entire existence. And everyone kept stepping on the hands over and over or like near her hands. And I was like, God damn, don't like step on her shoulders and face if you have to, but like, don't step on her hands. That looks painful. So shout out to her as well on the kind of poor side. Horacio, maybe is trying to grab the game too much. Maybe is trying to do a little too much here. He should not have been the anchor spot on the very bottom. That spot is very difficult. That spot. Maybe. I mean, it, I think it's got to, you I know from the start, they're like, if we put the, you know, the biggest person on the bottom, they're never going to get to the top. And they're thinking like, how do we get all 23? You probably should have just started from a place of let's try to get 15 of these. And then if there's time left, like we'll try to pull a miracle or whatever, but Corey and Lockie should probably, if anyone be the bottom and just be the biggest, sturdiest, heaviest anchor that for the first steps, the first climbing on top of that can take kind of the most punishment. And then Those a shout out to not even going to name, but there were a few folks who maybe were going to struggle with the climbing portion who kind of just waited in the water, which was very smart versus the, you know, the Huey that's like, I'll do it. I'll give it a shot. And then falls. And then everyone's like, well, Huey did fall. And it's like, there were some folks that kind of took the chaos and saw it around them. And were like, maybe we'll just wait here and act like we're, you know, waiting our turn and the horn will blow and no one will know that we couldn't have done it. Or maybe we weren't competent in doing it. So smart strategy from those folks, 6,000 earned that's not a lot they are not playing for nearly enough money yeah it makes me mad next up in sequential order would be back at the house we're going to skip that for a moment and talk nightclub in melissa and kylan definitely one of the biggest storylines of the episode definitely one of my favorite parts of the episode one they're at the nightclub they're having fun And yes, there's some strategy stuff involved in the nightclub scene, but there's also people dancing. There's people having fun. There's the little dance line tunnel thing. And then there's people goofing around and there's people making out and there's people chanting for other people to make out. It's all great. I'm glad we get to see this again. Thank you for using the new 90 minutes more wisely than has been done in the past. I'm glad this is not just an extra 30 minutes of the daily in the elimination and the deliberation, but it's. 30 extra minutes. Basically the 30 minutes of the show that's added in is the kind of personal stuff and the fun stuff that we've started to reference here. Now, Mel and Kyla. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed the initial scene. We find out of them. He's given her the back massage from, The completely wrong position, if you want to give someone a back massage, you don't sit cross-legged and have that person put their head in your lap and stretched out away from you. It's not the ideal position to give someone a back massage from, but it is uh, a, a very romantic position. I will leave it at that. But then here in the club, we get a real raw moment of vulnerability and a conversation about some like real life stuff and two people being kind and vulnerable towards each other. It's amazing. I love it. And we need we need, you know, this is the stuff that it's it's one thing when it's over on Survivor and it's like every the only story we get is kind of like more similar stories to this, not people chanting make out and them not making out that that part doesn't happen on Survivor, Um, but the kind of heartwarming backstory type of stuff. But there's a there's a, a medium ground and that sometimes survivor may push way too far with it. But the challenge has been like kind of devoid of it more or less, um, or if they even try to do any of it, it is very half hearted, or it's maybe very manufactured. And it doesn't always, you know, come off as actual real and raw. And like, we're actually learning something about a person and about a subject matter. And we're seeing people treat each other really like good, kind humans and everything else. So I just love this moment between them or the eventual moment between them. I did not like the initial very awkward moment of everyone huddled around them on the stage chanting to kiss and to make out. And, you know, it obviously doesn't happen. And. Mel's feelings get hurt and Kylan is confused and also a little upset himself and everything else. I didn't love that awkward part. It's interesting television. And it obviously then leads to the very interesting and cool conversation that we see that follows. Ilan's continued openness and advocacy for neurodiversity is fantastic. Very much appreciate him being so open about that, talking so openly about it and also being so kind in which is the the hardest part of, you know, advocating for anything or kind of explaining way, expe- life experiences that uh some, a lot of people wouldn't have to those people that don't have them. The hard part is then being like kind and sometimes those people's responses, not immediately like, you know, their confusion or their questions, maybe being dumb or silly or whatever. And, you know, being really kind about like having to explain it or, you know, just it's, it's just a tough position to be in. And he handles it flawlessly uh, in this show and, you know, online in his whole life. So he's awesome. He's wonderful. It's all appreciated. I will say this a learning lesson for him as much as it takes total sense after the fact he explains himself, everything lines up. It's this great conversation, the whole thing in that moment. You don't have to kiss her, but learning lesson for the, for the future. If, if it's another uncomfortable moment strikes him of this nature, I can't know what's going through his head. I'm glad he explains a bit of kind of what's going on in his head, in his mind at that moment, but to, you know, be empathetic to her position. I get why she was like, what the fuck? Why is, why is this so hard? Like why I just, you know, feel rejected in this moment in this big television stage here. But he needs to like, in that moment, you don't have to kiss her, but find a way to realize her part of the situation too. And maybe let her know like, I, can we not be on a stage in front of people? Cause I do want to kiss you and I like you, but this is making me uncomfortable. The whole people and stage part is making me uncomfortable. You got to, if you can, for the next time this ever comes up, if it comes up, I don't know how often Kylan, we all be on stage with people chanting to kiss someone, but that's his, his homework is the, is to try to uh, work on that and be able to at least in the moment, give a little nod so that there can be, a little less hurt feelings but again the eventual conversation is amazing who knows um if the clocks that are shown later that night when they go home from the club they end up in bed together i never trust when they when they the few times they show us a time clock a timestamp, stamp and in this particular instance they show them getting in bed i think they show like 2 a.m and then it flashed forward to 2 30 and then 3 and then 3 30 and it's all interspersed with mel's uh hilarious confessional because the edit and the confessional together do make for a hilarious kind of moment, even if I don't believe at all that this was actually an hour and a half long, but that like they make it seem like Kylan just sat there massaging her and talking about the game for like 90 minutes while all she was like, can we just like lay down and cuddle and make out a little bit and go to sleep? And you know, two very different needs or wants being met there in that moment, they make it seem really funny, but I will say every time they move the clock up, They're both laying in the exact same position. He's massaging the exact same part of her body. And they kind of, you don't really, can't really tell all that he's talking about. I'm doubtful that that was 90 minutes worth of him talking and massaging and her being like, can we cuddle and kiss and go to bed yet? I'm guessing it wasn't nearly that long, but it was a very funny scene nonetheless. And they're a super cute couple nonetheless. Now to the house politics. The U.S. guys with Chauncey in the room, they want Huey out of or into elimination. The U.S. guys without Chauncey in the room kind of want Chauncey in the elimination, which is interesting. Shout out Corey Lay leading. Corey and Jay are the two that seem to be leading the discussions the most in this early going. Horacio... I think, too, I just don't think we've seen his, but I think for the the 38 girls that are the strongest alliance and contingent in the house thus far, more on them in a moment. I think he's, you know, the most locked in talking to them. But I think Jay and Corey, it seems like every time we see one of these scenes of the U.S. guys having a chat a bunch of them in a room together, it's one of those two leading that discussion. Norris then comes in as well. And I love and shout out to Norris for the strategic thinking. She's the one that comes in and is like, hey, let's think this through though. You know, if we are all kind of deciding between Huey and Chauncey and we're all set on like, it's one of those two, is Chauncey just going to say Huey? And in that respect, should we just throw Huey in to not, you know, and like use that as leverage versus Chauncey? She's thinking through all of the steps. She's thinking like a vet and making sure that they do the right thing and, it, and whether or not they end up doing the right thing. They are thinking through all the repercussions and all the different versions of it. Very good stuff from her. Huey and Lockie, meanwhile, they're having a bromance, blossoming bromance. Um, I absolutely love it. The UK Alliance is brewing. We'll come back to that momentarily. And I will say for Lockie, very different look for him than from the UK season of the challenge where, you know, he's only there for a very short time of that very short season. He, we, you know, mostly remember that he smashed his face and it was horrible, horrible, horrible. And I'm so thrilled that he, it wasn't any long-term damage. Like you wouldn't know now or anything. It wasn't like he like permanently messed up his face or anything like that, or seemed to have any permanent long lasting damage, but man, it was horrifying man. It was traumatic for him Man, it had to be super painful for him, but we had that moment. And then we had, he had this weird relationship alliance with, uh, I want to say her name was Ella, but I'm, I think I'm wrong and I apologize and I'm not going to pause and pull up the Annabella, Ella Bella, Arabella. I don't know. It was something there was a Bella. There was an Ella involved in the name, Um, but he, you know, kind of had this little fling for a second, but then he like broke up with her, even though they weren't, weren't dating certainly. And hadn't even like hooked up or anything, but like he broke it off. It was very weird. It was very entertaining and intense, a couple of scenes or whatever, but he was, you know, a flame through that one, one to two episodes, whatever it was on challenge UK. And the look wasn't great. He kind of seemed not like a villain, but just like no one, you know, kind of wasn't the most likable. And then he smashed his face and he left the game. And it was like, that's what we know about Lockie. And in this season, we're seeing someone very different. I love the little bromance between him and Huey. I like the vibe lock he's bringing. And I like that he is pointing out something that is a part of this game for sure is yes. In the scenario they're currently in, we do want to win more money and add more money to the house, but it you do want. And we've seen so many times in the past, like, You want people that you enjoy living in a house with and just hanging out with and being around because otherwise it's really boring and it's really miserable and it can get really, really, really miserable if you end up in a house with like, sure, a bunch of people you agreed to vote with, but like that you're not actually that friendly. You're not really having fun with and the days just drag and drag and drag. And so I appreciate him being like, look, Huey is the one who is causing the most fun in the house. He is making me laugh. He's making me forget about the game. He's keeping me sane, as he says over and over. Love all of that. Then we get to the season 38 girls, Olivia and Norris, the blow up that may or may not be coming will be legendary. That is not a spoiler of me knowing anything on this season. That is if you pay attention online um, again, some of it, I started paying attention to it because of a challenge mania event, all of which are made public by now. And she's Olivia has been a part of all of them. The and Horacio or dating Olivia, maybe however that happened, maybe isn't loving it. So Uh, While they are in this moment, in this episode, absolute lockstep besties riding for each other. Number one's leading this season 38 slash season 38 girls alliance. We'll see how long that lasts. If it it blows up during the season, it's going to be incredible. But for now, they have a common enemy within their ranks, which is Raven. Raven has been defending Chauncey at the bar or talking to Chauncey, trying to like help him out, trying to save him, salvage his game. She's pushed for Huey when they have had big group conversations she's been a part of, and then she does some eavesdropping slash information gathering from her crew that she immediately turns around and tells the UK side that is very clearly becoming a US versus UK thing going on, and she's now caught feeding information to them. So a sequence of events. Does lead to yes, it's a little mean girls 23 from the Olivia Nerese Mariah Michelle when they're sitting in a room like that girl's messy, she's a problem. I knew I I my intuition was right. I knew I didn't like her last season, this, that, and the other. When it's like Nerese, you didn't like her last season because she was partnered and still trying to be romantic with the guy that you first got romantic with in the house. Okay, that's why you guys had beef. I wish we would have got to see the big argument/slash fight that you had. It sounded like it was entertaining and they didn't show us it at all, which I don't know why they don't do that anyways it does feel a little mean girls 2023 when they're like "Yeah, she's messy she's a problem but it also does seem accurate that she's playing pretty messy and that she is a problem for their alliance and that they should not trust her and that she's not really a part of their alliance you might say if you're defending raven yeah they never wanted her to be a part of the alliance and i would say well that's a challenge house for you you know you got to play the cards you were dealt and she is uh she's playing them but in a very chaotic Fashion. She just needs to have come into this, and just similar to what I said about Chauncey at the beginning of this, roll with the group 100. Don't be floating. Don't be waffling early on. If you're not in the conversation directly with them, then you know have their back. Don't do the spy thing. Don't do the relaying of info thing. Don't then don't just be the only contrarian voice. And then if you're gonna be the contrarian voice, like really, really stand up in that meeting and be like, we're all thinking about this wrong. This is why lay out the reasons. Don't just be kind of like, mm, I don't know. I kind of think we should go for Huey. I think we should have Chauncey's back and, you know, not a real argument other than just like we should have his back and not his, you can backstab them later. He got to build trust first. So just like I said about Chauncey, if you feel like you're on the bottom, if it feels wishy-washy, great. Either don't be a part of it then right from the start or be 100% in and convince them you're 100% in and act like it for at least a little bit of time, enough to build up that trust and get into a position where you could actually do something with it and hurt them with it later on. Now the UK Alliance referenced a couple times. It's clearly coming together. Kieran confirms what I thought I heard last episode. And then I felt weird. I mentioned it to Tony on the survivor podcast and he didn't remember it or hadn't picked up on it. And I was like, am I crazy? Did I hear that? Right. I did hear it. Right. He was born in Manchester. He had made a UK reference on the episode one and I hadn't remembered it, but in here, he makes it very clear born in Manchester originally, you know, in from the UK moved to Australia. He doesn't say what age, but I think he referenced, you know, pretty young, but, that he feels right at home with the UK folks, and especially now that the other Aussie in the house is gone, he he has no reason not to just be like, I'm just one of y'all, you know, our accents aren't that different, and I originally, I was born in the UK anyways, so here we go, I'm part of the UK, and I'm kind of leading the UK group, Um This is great. This is obvious. It was probably bound to happen given how tight the U.S. crew seems at this point. It does leave the most interesting folks in the House from an alliance political standpoint as the non-UK international folks who are now clearly just like purely floating. They're interesting. Where are they going to go? Which side are they going to pick if they do pick a side or can they be the ones that pry off some of the folks like a Raven from the bottom of an alliance that is going to get targeted or maybe a Huey if he feels like he isn't as high in the UK alliance as others. And those three main ones are Emmanuel, Berna and Colleen. Those three they they all seem to maybe be leaning a little U.S. season 38 side. We see Emmanuel come in the room a couple of times for some of the all-guy conversations that are all the U.S. players, and then Emmanuel kind of comes in here and there. We know Berna, you know, wants to be close with Michelle. I think we see Colleen pop in the room a time or two, um, but it mentions in this episode she's very much playing in the background, as she should. Very, very smart. We'll see where they go, but that's the most interesting domino to fall next of, like, If those three side with the U.K. and do a full international versus U.S. thing, the numbers start to get a little closer to even. If they don't, the numbers aren't, and the U.K. folks are pretty much screwed. So that's that. Deliberation, you know who else is screwed? Chauncey is screwed because just horrible. Just horrible, okay? Unbelievable. If I were to try to defend him, this is how I would do it. I like his strategy. If in his mind, he's like, all these people are going to respond with you never have. And no one else is going to be like, you played one season for like how many rounds? Like you don't have that big of a track record to go off of. So not that impressive. You know, in his mind, he's going to be like, have I wronged you? Have I wronged you? Have I wronged you? They're all going to be like, no, never. You're loyal. You're loyal. You're loyal. And then everyone will be like, okay, great job. You proved your point. It goes the opposite of that. And it didn't have to. Horacio, Michelle and Jay could have, if they wanted to keep him around, could have in that moment been like, no, you haven't loyal guy or, you know, something to that effect and not mentioned the minor transgressions that have taken place against them from Chauncey, to be fair, transgressions, sure, votes are votes, they count, but you know, he didn't win a daily and pick you independently to go in or anything like that. Okay. Didn't really target any of them. He voted with a big group of people when he kind of had to. As one of them says in confessional, I would have done the same, but it is what it is. I think Michelle's like, I would have done the same, but like it still counts or whatever, you know? They could have done that and then used it as leverage, like went to him afterwards to be like, you like Horacio could have been like, yeah, you're loyal. And then afterwards been like, Chauncey, you do know that. Like you put me on the spot back there and I said you were loyal, but like you did vote for me one time and I'm I'm not holding out against you, but I just want you to know that like I just covered for your ass when I didn't have to, I could have said you have voted for me before back there and it could have been extra leverage to keep one of the bottom waffling members of their alliance more in lockstep with them. Who knows if that's better strategy or not, but a horrible elimination or deliberation from Chauncey uh, takes, takes the new crown. Jessica has it for one week and now chauncey has it maybe we'll find out this was highly horribly edited against him as well as we kind of did about jessica's but regardless he's the new king of shooting himself in the foot then we get to the arena unbelievably good game loved the game they are finding their stride again with these like for real i loved, loved loved this game strategy endurance it's fantastic really really great stuff In a minor way, mostly because the name and the lights, uh, you know, reminded at least I had flashbacks to Devin upsetting bananas way back when on uh, Vendettas. Was that Vendettas? Yes, that was Vendettas because then him and Tony were Final Reckoning partners, not Vendettas partners. That's how that all went down. So minor flashbacks to that, a, a bit of a different game in the end, but still running and doing a little bit of a light based puzzle. It's just so good. It's just so good. And that I don't have anything more in depth to say other than I loved it. And I thought it was really smart and really cool and really fun. And it was visually appealing and it was interesting to watch. And yeah, the whole thing across the board, a maybe even a plus elimination design from this guy, Chauncey makes the right call as far as who he goes against. He reads the situation correctly. You can turn and look and you're not a hundred percent sure what's going to go down, what the rules are going to be. But it's pretty clear from all the things, two different colors on either side sitting in a ring around this middle council that has open holes that look like those things fit inside of. You're pretty clear somehow, some way you're putting those in there. So you can pretty much assume like there's strategy involved and there's running involved. You don't know it's three rounds and endurance is really going to play a part. You don't know it's, you know, three in a row, connect four style type of thing. But you should be able to surmise, and it seems like he clearly does. We're going to be running around putting those things in there and there's going to be some some reason why we have to do it. It's not like first to do it or something. And so he makes the right call in if it's clearly strategy and pretty obvious you'll have to put the things in the holes, which indicates running, pick another big dude who you hope isn't very smart. You want to go as big a dude as possible from the running endurance standpoint, and you hope they're not that smart at puzzles either. And this is your chance to get a big person out versus if this was some big headbanger where strength and size are win the day, this one's not speed and strategy win the day. So get one of those strength and size type of people out. He picks correctly, not in his Alliance, a threat if it does come around to a strength size type of thing. And so, Good pick on Locky. It ends up costing him. He loses, but it's still the right pick. As for the performances, man, Lockheed round one strategy, really, 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 I mean, it's unbelievable that he then hangs on at the end in the third round when they, it's hard with the editing again. I don't know, did he have four left? Did he have five left in the third round after Chauncey finished putting all of his in? And if you're putting them in that much faster, you should very clearly be able to set up you know, the best case scenario to score a bunch of points and the other not score very many points at all. So the fact that he basically walked zombie walked his way through the third round and still hung on to win by one is insane. And a testament to how great he did on the first round and dialing in the strategy right from the start, nailing the diagonals, nailing how the main, main thing going in is like the, the placement of the first couple need to be, two spots in is probably ideal leave two open where you're filling inwards. And so whatever's left at the end, if you are a little faster is pointless spots on the very end that can't produce a a row of three, no matter what, but he gets the strategy. He eventually gets the win. He also though proves that, uh, (laughs) Maybe he should be kept around for a final once, uh, you know, he should maybe be kept around for the early part. Cause again, he's done pretty well in both of the daily challenges so far. So maybe he can help you win a little money, but then also after that, maybe you want to keep him for the final. Cause uh boy, he ain't running a final. That's for damn sure. He is not finishing a final. That is any final that we've seen for the last 15 years. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. He is so gassed and this is tough. And it's really a lot of running. And your adrenaline's going and it's one thing to be gassed, but it's another thing to be like, it seemed like he wasn't going to finish and that Chauncey might win because Lockie might pass out and not be able to finish the third round. So he won, but he also lost a little bit as far as we now know that maybe he doesn't have a shot at winning in the end, possibly unless a very specific type of final is set up, but maybe that helps his chances of getting to said final. We shall see Chauncey goes home. Him and Amber are wonderful. Shout out to Sonny. I hope they have the best life ever. I do want to see Amber back on the challenge. I don't know two seasons in if we need more Chauncey. I think he's an incredible human being. And again, I can't wish for more positive things to occur in his Amber and Sonny's life. Um, But uh, maybe the third time would be the charm. We just haven't gotten a lot. And I thought I had high hopes for this season, not being there with Amber and a bunch of people. He doesn't know that he, you know, partnered with her. It was very obvious that it kind of just becomes the two of them off doing their thing this season. I was hoping we'd get, get a little more other than just like, he's a solid athlete and you know, he's going to hopefully be a great dad. Seems like he wants to be and will be a great dad. And that's about it. And so Props to that. Go be a great dad. And uh, we move on with the show. Handing out some awards for the best quote. Sincere apologies to any and all of the above. Melissa, Kieran, Olivia, maybe others, maybe Big T. I don't know. There was I watched this really late last night after this amazing concert. I was on this high and I had had a few drinks and the whole thing. And, you know, the notes weren't as extensive as they typically are. I was a little more leaning back and just enjoying and being entertained by the episode. And there was a couple quotes I know that I missed. I think they might have come from a Melissa, Akira and Olivia. I'm not sure. So sorry to all those folks who I forgot to write down. I will give some nominees to Asaf for at the very end. His little, if you think the challenge is hard, just wait till you get home. Talking about, you know, parenting is the challenge of a lifetime. I really enjoyed that coming from him. And then the one that I will nominate and give as the winner that I did remember to write down was Big T's quote about Huey. Kim K, move aside because Huey is in town. Love that. We, of course, we could only make it a couple episodes before many references to Huey's butt has to occur. So Big T gets the award there. Best moment. Um, some small ones and some big ones here. First nominee, Michelle kissing the ball while swimming during the daily, uh, was really wonderful and fun. And they, you know, get the little helmet cam of her being like, oh my gosh, it's mine. Hello Ray. And kisses it and holds it up or whatever. And everyone's like, can we keep swimming here? (laughs) Like we know every one of us has a ball with our name on it in there. Great. You found yours. We still got to get them all over there. I liked that little moment. Second one. I'll just say it Lockie and his Tidy Whiteys was more impressive than I imagined that that was going to be. And uh, so it's hard to pull off Tidy Whiteys in 2023. And Lockie did. And it seemed like Huey agreed. Third nominee, Raven being, we didn't mention this one before, but Raven being very open about her politicking attempts. She says very matter of factly, I'm not usually into guys like Kieran. I She doesn't necessarily, I don't think she. I think she stops there and doesn't say I'm not into Kieran, but I'm not necessarily into guys like Kieran, but he is proving to be a strong competitor. He likes me and it could be good for my game to be closer to him. A.K.A. some class A polydicking going down here. Potential polydicking going down. No polydicking has occurred yet. But it is in the ether, it is being thought about, and so we may very well get some classic politicking in episodes to come as Raven has to, at this point, move over to the UK Alliance, right? I mean, she's, she's toast on the US Alliance uh, as it currently stands, we'll see if it stays that way. Fourth nominee... Kylan and Melissa's chat at the bar, again, amazing love getting this real, raw, vulnerable love, how kind both of them are to each other in that moment and hearing each other out and empathizing with each other and learning more about each other so that we can learn about them and different parts of life and different things about life. It's all really wonderful. Felt a little bit like we were watching a moment from an episode of the real world, not the challenge. And the more of that, the better I say. Final one then. At the very end of the episode, another little small Michelle moment. I'm sorry. I know I just adore her and love her. So maybe I pick up on every little tiny thing that she does. Or maybe she's just doing a lot of really small but funny, entertaining little things that help make the show and little tiny moments fun and interesting. And at the end of the episode, when TJ gives his... When my countdown hits zero, you'll lose control and all chaos will ensue or whatever he says, something to that effect. And, you know, they're looking for the entire cast on the dais to, like, make a reaction to that. It's one of those, like, manufactured moments of, like, TJ's going to say the thing and then you guys got to, like, you know, applaud or do whatever. It's very quick, but they kind of pan through a couple people reacting to TJ saying that. And one of which is Michelle, who gives a very exaggerated, like, oh, I'm so scared. And like rolls her eyes and fakes being scared or terrified. And it's just really funny and spot on because yeah. Every episode, TJ has to say, you know, the next big twist is coming. The this, that, or the other. Be scared. This is the hardest ever. Whatever. Like he's got to, he's got to sell the show, sell every episode, sell every mission challenge, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was really funny to see someone be like, "Oh my gosh, TJ is going to change the format of the game." Never seen that before, you know, and just have this funny reaction. So those are your nominees. I will, of course, give the award though to Kylan and Melissa for being wonderful human beings. Episode MVP, Kieran in fifth. Michelle in fourth Darice in third Raven in second. I Kylan and Melissa somehow didn't end up on this list. They should have been on this list. So they're somewhere in there too, but I will give the MVP of the episode as messy as Raven was as good uh, background politics as Norice was playing as interesting, a little moments as Michelle was having as wonderful and Kylan and Melissa are, and as prominent as Kieran is becoming on the UK side of things, I'm giving the award to Lockie, He was very present all throughout the episode. Good confessionals, fun bromance with Huey. Gets the win in the end. Does the are you not entertained? Always love someone pulling that quote out. And just through and through, I just uh, think, you know, shout out to Lockie for really turning things around. If, If he loses this elimination, he challenged stats, had a few good tweets about, you know, would have been, we, if we still consider this the first boot of the season, you know, first male boot of the season, he would have been an illustrious company for being two for two, first 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 boot of uh, the male sex, um, and first boot overall, and just some all some categories you don't want to be in, some history you don't want to be a part of. And so he avoided all that. He is your episode MVP. As for the power rankings, it still is a total cluster, it still doesn't make sense, it's still really, really hard to decide, um, you know who is going to rise amongst this pretty evenly matched group. There are, you know, the alliances are taking shape and there are definitely people who have a way better standing in the house than others or way better position. I'm still going to keep things split between the women and the men. Uh, Eventually I will go to one list because there is only going to be one winner, which I don't really love, but it's what they're doing. But for now we're keeping it men and women. Men first, Corey lay retains his top spot again we see him kind of leading things again in one of the meetings here and I think he's an absolute threat in every type of elimination and every daily type type of daily challenge and could for a big person the the only thing I have is where is the final located because with anyone who's that tall and that muscular you do have to worry about if they get on a mountain that is just harder for those people we've seen it with CT we've seen it with Zach we've seen it with a bunch of people we've we've seen it with fessy you guys don't want to you know me to bring up fessy so i w- shouldn't have but that is my only concern about cory lay's game right now is like when he makes this final is it going to be on a mountain or not because if it's on flat ground i think he definitely definitely could win it if it's on the mountain things are gonna be a little harder he retains first Horacio retains second we don't get any fallout of his big t vote yet i think that might be coming when they get back to potentially voting for a uh, female next week we will see but He's got, you know, the strongest relationships probably in the house and he's incredibly good. And he can definitely, if he's in the final, absolutely, absolutely win that final, no matter where it takes place. So he's second. I've got Ed third. He moves up a spot. I've got Kieran moving into the top four previously on Rant, Kieran moves into the fourth spot on the women's side. I've got Olivia going from one to or two to one because I'm dropping Mel from the top spot down to fourth. I do think the U.S. is at an advantage over the U.K. a little bit here. And we know from the next week on and originally from the trailer that uh, we now know from the next week on that the fight we see in the trailer between here and Berna looks to take place next week. That's pretty early to be getting chest to chest with someone yelling in their face in the house. So she at least has to be bumped down a little bit. So Olivia moves up to the top spot. Great connections. Great competitor. Michelle is in second spot now moves up one as well. Same thing. Great connections. And good at some of the competition portions of this game. We'll see if the romance, you know, holds her back at all. Or if the too many friends that has bit her in the butt on basically every one of her seasons bites her in the butt here. I think this is the season where too many friends is going to be a positive for her. Zara moves from unranked into third. I kind of forgot she was there in the first episode. We see her a couple times this episode and it it feels like a reminder. Oh yeah, Uh, really good runner. And, you know, if anyone from the UK side on the women's side, like maybe Mel and Big T are the bigger targets, maybe Zara is a little more easily, you know, actually ingrained with the Callum and Lockies of the world that, you know, did the season with them versus just comes from UK reality television. I got Zara in third. I got Mel in fourth and I got Nereese in fifth. Why do I have five for the women and four for the men? Because last week I had a three-way tie and this week I kept one of the names and I only removed one name from the list. So now we have five. I don't know. That's just how it is. Olivia, Michelle, Zara, Mel, Nereese, Corey, Horacio, Ed, Kieran. That's your power rankings, your predictions. I went over uh last week. I thought we were going to do better with this season. We did so horrible on challenge USA two. I thought we would do better. I thought we'd get back to being a good predictor of this show and we're not, I mean, this is, it's a, it's a long run cold streak right now. I mean, we finally, for the first time ever in my entire challenge career, not just from the podcasting, the six or seven seasons, whatever I've covered on the podcast at this point, but just my entire fandom of the challenge, I had never accurately predicted the winner going into the season that I could remember until rider dies where I picked Tori and Devin on the record and they won and it was amazing. And wow, I actually picked a winner, right? Like you've gotta be kidding me. And ever since that, that correct prediction came to fruition, I have been so God awful at making some of the easiest predictions for episode by episode of the show. So we're gonna keep trying. We're not, we're not getting rid of it, not bailing. Just letting you know that I would expect everything that comes out of my mouth to not happen at this point. Last week, I said they would kind of nominate captains and they would earn the money at the next challenge. Did they kind of do both those things? Technically, they earned some money. Six, they did earn $6,000. I'm not counting that as earning money. That was pitiful. They kind of almost had captains, but not really. Like Horacio and Kieran were kind of captains, and Michelle was kind of a captain, but not really. So I didn't get that right. And then I said the men would be like, nah, we're still voting in women. And they didn't. They acquiesced immediately. And it seems like the House is at least agreed on that let's alternate men, women, and not make it messy and battle the sexes in here. So that was a one episode situation to see who had to go first and we'll see if that uh continues. Now my predictions for next week though, episode three, also known as episode four. Episode three. I do not think they're gonna get the money. I don't think they're gonna get it at all. Now, if it's a situation like this episode where they could get partial, I think they get the same very small partial, like 10% of it or whatever, like you know, kind of a pitiful performance again, but if it's 50 or zero again, all or nothing, I'm going with nothing. I don't think they are. I don't, I don't think they're going to get any of them to be honest with you. I think they're going to go 0 for four. And the second prediction is burnout will be in the elimination because I believe that the men will definitely hold strong on it's every other. And when it's meant to be a girl's day, it's going to be a girl's day because I think they're too fragile of egos to allow anything else. And plus, it seems like the new next obvious targets, you know, Raven seems like a, a new target for everyone, um, you know, might fall on the women's side. So it's going to be a women's elimination. And based on the fact that we know Berna and Mel's big blow up is next week. I think we find some common ground between the U S and the UK and they decide, okay, we'll let one of the floaters go in. She's been, you know, having a tough time in the house. There's a big fight. Let's, let's throw in Berna. So, they don't earn the money. Berna is one of the participants in the elimination. Those are your predictions for next week. And that is all for the podcast this week. Thank you, as always, for being here. Like, subscribe, follow, all of that. DM me at story on Instagram if you want to chat the challenge. Thank you one more time for 200 and now 201 plus episodes of this podcast. It's been so wonderful. It's been so fun to talk for. I mean, this, the average length of this show is when you count some of the three-hour full season recaps in. I've, it's probably been 250 hours of content on this show. I've talked into this microphone for probably 250 hours. And some of you have listened to every single minute of that. That is wild. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you. You bring a lot of joy to my life, letting me do this and knowing that anyone listens. So I appreciate you. We'll be back. Sometime this weekend, probably Saturday morning with that Survivor 45 coverage. We'll be back next week with some continued Fank coverage. Until then, peace.